Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larikia, and this is episode number 223 of the podcast. It's the 14th of April, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a super fun conversation with Eva Whipple. With children ages four and two, she and her husband have always known that they wouldn't send their kids to school. It was so great to hear about their journey, how she discovered unschooling, what their days look like, how capable and emotionally intelligent their children are, and how they are thriving in their loving environment. As a personal update, this week I've just been having so much fun hanging out in the Living Joyfully Network, the online unschooling community that Anna Brown and I recently opened up. This month's theme is Our Parenting Toolbox, and for the next couple of weeks we're diving into ways to approach conflict, including recognizing our personal triggers and the value of assuming positive intent, which lays the foundation for making sure everyone feels safe and heard. And beyond those conversations, people are sharing fun snapshots from their unschooling lives, asking interesting questions about the challenges they're facing right now, and sharing favorite books and games. It's been comforting and inspiring to immerse myself in a community of like-minded parents. They're all curious and always learning. You can learn more at explorers.livingjoyfully.ca or follow the link in the show notes. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Jessica Burrows. Hi, Jessica. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Eva. Welcome. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Eva Whipple. Hi, Eva. Hi, Pam. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. Um, We connected recently, which was really fun. And I know that your kids are still younger. um, But I know also that you've been focused on your unschooling journey for a while. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your experience. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? And I'd love to hear a bit about what everyone's interested in right now. Sure, sure. Um, I had a lot of fun thinking about this. I've been a listener like from the very beginning. And I know that the interviews always start with this question. So I was like, we, ha- we had fun. I told my daughter, I said, we're going to talk about this. So we sat down and she listed like a comprehensive list of everything that she's interested in. <laughs> I won't, which I won't like, I won't read the whole list. It's a lot of interest. <laughs> But I'll start with her because she helped me with the answer to this question. 
So, well, let me say there's four of us humans in our household. Um, myself, my husband, Brian, my daughter, Lois, who will be four on May 7th, and my son, Sonny, who will be two on May 7th. They share a birthday. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, everyone's always like, did you plan that? I'm like, no. We, Sonny was a surprise, so we certainly didn't even plan his birthday. <laughs> but um, <laughs> a wonderful surprise. But um, So, all right, so Lois, the nearly four-year-old, um, I can sum, I could sum her up in one word, which is just pretender. That's, that's what she says. Instead of pretend, she says pretender. Um, and so she loves to, from the time she wakes up to the time she goes to bed, it's just imaginative play like all day, every day, since she was a little, little tiny thing, she would, she would pick up like two sticks and say, mommy stick, baby stick. And just all the time. Right now, she likes to pretend that we're jaguars um, and horses. She's very into animals and pretending that we're animals. Um, so that's like her main focus is just imagination. Wow. <laughs> she loves that. And like, especially relationships, she does a lot of like someone's hurt and being safe. I mean, it's all about the relationship piece. Um, but she also loves to swim. She's a great swimmer and she loves to run. Like we'll run laps at the gym when things are open and the world is functioning yeah. normally. Right. Um, yeah. She loves to spend time with friends and spend time outside and with animals. And we just hatched out a bunch of little baby chicks in an incubator. We have um, chickens and goats. and um, So she's like really enjoying spending time with our baby chicks right now too. And she's so sweet and gentle with them. So wow. that's kind of Lois in a nutshell. I mean, I could just go on about, I could go on about each of them for the full hour. So I know, right? I'll just, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I know she's, I'm like, she colors and draws and writes her name. She just, she's, she's, um, yeah, she's really awesome. Um, and super observant. That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> and she's just always been like very observant. Like we were just hiking back here and she spots a turkey feather and runs and grabs it. And she's very, she's just very observant. Mm -hmm. Um, little Sunny, who will be two in May, um, is just starting to talk, which is really fun. Um, so we're getting to like hear his voice and he's starting to try to make people laugh, which is adorable. Um, his favorite thing to say right now is help to, but it sounds like hop to. So he uh -huh. says hop to, hop to. <laughs> Very cute. Like hop to it. Kind of. Mm -hmm. It's precious. But like, so, and, um, so he's wanting to like do what you guys are doing. Is that what he means by it? Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Whatever we're doing, like today, I made like breakfast cookies, and um, he he's like hup to hup to, and he grabs his stool, pulls it up to the counter, and climbs up there. And I mean, his help is very messy, um, but he really wants to help with everything. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, Lois is kind of more like me, where our interests are like a little more. Um, all over the place. We're interested in a lot of different things, but Sunny is like my husband and they're both interested in literally one thing, which is skateboarding. Oh. That's it. Like, <laughs> Sunny's not even two and he's already pushing and we have a mini ramp in the garage and he, he skates on the mini ramp on his hands and knees and wow. he'll like hug his tech deck, his little mini skateboards while he's on his skateboard. I mean, he's, he's truly, he is all in to skateboarding. <sighs> No, awesome. it's fun. And my husband, my husband owns a, yeah, he's, and he's, he's, I mean, he's already doing really cool stuff. So, uh, my husband owns a skate shop, um, and other that like, so he's either, you know, busy with a skate shop or, um, skateboarding, like his whole life revolves around skateboarding as well. 
Um, so. so do you guys yeah. have a park nearby? Like a skateboard? We do. Right now it's closed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, what we do. And, um, and yeah, but they'll skate the mini ramp in the garage or yeah. skate like out in parking lots. But yeah, and then they skate at the park. So, yeah. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, there's lots of spaces to go to. Well, yeah, I, yeah, plenty of options. You, you've got a paved driveway or something for your ramp and everything? So. Um, no, the ramp is just like fully in the garage, just like oh, a little mini ramp. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. So it's like perfect. It's <laughs> so perfect. it doesn't it's matter about the weather. weather. <laughs> nope, exactly. Yeah. And my husband's a really great, like, car- he's a really great carpenter. He has, he hasn't built much recently. He's been pretty busy with the shop, but um, he built the, the ramp in the garage and he can pretty much build anything, which is really, you know, cool. Um, and, um, and then me, I, um, I like to swim. Um, and oh, oh, how did I not start with this? But I own a yoga studio. So that's like my time. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't start with that, that part, but yeah, that's like my big interest is, um, studying, practicing, teaching yoga. I offer a teacher training program at my studio. So we're both business owners and we just kind of, um, like support one another. Like if I'm teaching or teaching teacher training or working at the studio, um, Brian's, you know, occupying the kiddos, adventuring with them. And if he's at the shop, I'm doing that. So Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I love hearing how you guys are just working through that scheduling thing, working together and just kind of on the fly, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like he's got set days that he's open. I've got set days that I teach, but, um, part of me kind of is like always looking for a little bit more of like a daily flow, but that's just not how our life looks where I teach some days and don't teach other days. So it's more like a weekly flow. Like Mondays tend to look similar, you know, that's kind of how it flows. And then there's, um, like we're just not, there's not like any kind of set routine, but there are set like rhythms to things, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I yeah, that's kind of them. I love that word. Yeah. Right? That's, that's kind of how ours, that's kind of how ours, ours looks. So Oh, that's awesome. So I would be curious to know how, how it is that you discovered unschooling in the first place. Okay. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that we arrived at it naturally, honestly, like the philosophy, I think we arrived there naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the term, I would say that you have the distinction of like introducing me to the term through the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So when, (laughs) when you start, yeah, when you started the podcast, I was, um, I guess I was pregnant with Lois. Mm-hmm. And um, so I like, I didn't even have children of my own yet. But for like a couple of years before having kids, I was already reading books on parenting, reading, I had already read like, like books on education. And I just was, I kind of worked in reverse. Like before I had children, I was thinking about their education. Wow. And then once I was pregnant, I was thinking about um, like the birth. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I also need to like think about pregnancy too. So like, I really enjoyed diving into like educating myself about parenting birth, um, and just kind of making informed choices about all of those things. Um, Lois ended up, she was born at, um, a birth center. Um, that's like a couple hours from here. They weren't allowed to do home births in, um, Maryland at the time she was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then by the time Sunny was born, he was able to be born at home. And um, 
Yeah, it was really, it's both were like really special, but that kind of, um, reading about learning about attachment parenting, I think led me to the idea that like, I want to be with my kids for the learning and the exploring that we're going to do. And, um, my husband really disliked school. Like I'm avoiding the the word hate, but I don't know that I need to, like he really (laughs) did not like school. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he like kind of scraped by, uh, like dreaded it, like had detentions. He was not a fan. Um, I was all through public school and I, I did well. Like I graduated a year early. I got like great grades, but honestly, I don't feel like I retained any of it. And the only part I really enjoyed was like the social aspect. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, there's a few things that I really remembered and retained and they were, I noticed, you know, when thinking about educating my own children that the things I remember are the field trips or the really engaging activities. And there's no reason to like not have that be every day. (laughs) So. Oh, that's awesome. No, I, that's such a, that was a big part for me too, thinking about my own school experience. Yeah. Right. And, and realizing how little I retained of it, except for the stuff that I actually, you know, used every day. 100%. Right? So, and then realizing I know it because I use it. You know what I mean? So. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's not even because you learned it in school. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, Like my mother has been an educator my whole life, um, but on the, uh, like in college, collegiate level. So she's um, been a nursing educator um, for my entire life. And she loved school. Like she loved elementary school, middle school, high school. She loved school. She was like her class president and um, she, she loved it. So, but she's also been really open and supportive about all of it. Um, and I, you know, would just explain to her, um, you know, that the, we just don't really feel like school matches up with what we value. Um, like the, the, there's not enough time spent playing and exploring. And, um, for me, like being outside and moving my body and, um, and a a few things, I guess there were, there were a lot of things that I heard from you really early on that like resonated Mm -hmm. and helped me to like really just dive in and embrace that idea of unschooling. Um, and one thing in particular, now maybe if it wasn't you, stop me, but, (laughs) but I think it was on your podcast that I can remember years ago, you explaining about how, you know, up to the age five, when a kid is interested in something, we dive in, right? We're like, oh, you saw a train and you said train. Now here's a toy train and a book about trains. And we're going to take you to a train museum. And it's like, we just dive in and we support the interest. And then when another interest pops up, we support that. But as soon as they get to like compulsory school age, we're like, no, you're no longer interested in trains and coloring and whatever you might be interested in. You're interested in history, math, science, you know? Yeah. And I just, yeah, I feel like people have like, let's say that Sonny continues his, his passion for skateboarding. Like I want him to be able to put the time that he wants to put into skating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I yeah. love that, that observation. And it's, it's incredible to me that shift and it's so conventionally normal, right? It's like 
school. And now you've, you've hit the age where now you have a job. Really, yeah. right? School becomes yeah. a child's job, and now it needs to be more important than all that other, quote, fun stuff yeah. that you got to do because you were younger than school age, right? It's right, exactly. So fascinating what that, that shift does in our minds. But when you look, when you look back, like as you're uh, thinking about unschooling, and you look back at the kids and you see how much they've learned in those first four or five six years, whatever, you know, compulsory school age is. And when you um, begin to respect that as real learning, you know what I mean? Like that fun stuff. Yeah. You can just see how engaged they are, how interested they are. Yeah. They have sponges, right? They just pick up so much that's around them. And we... Right. They're learning so quickly. Yeah. And we're just taught that we need to turn that off. For some reason. So yeah, that was a huge aha moment for me as well. When I think back um, and see the difference. And then because my, my kids went to school for a while because I didn't know about homeschooling. I didn't know that was legal. Yeah. Didn't know that. But I could, I could just see the stark difference between, you know, the child in school and learning school stuff and the child on the evenings and weekends and summers when right. they doing their own things and pursuing all the stuff that they love. And I could, I could see that difference, um, you know, between even the level of effort and the level of things that they learned sure. when it was stuff that they loved versus stuff they had to do mm-hmm. in school. I mean, I remember yeah. Joseph having to do spelling sentences. Like, so these were just little memories that were tucked away that once I discovered homeschooling and unschooling, all of a sudden those were the puzzle pieces that made sense because he would spend 10 minutes coming up with the shortest spelling sentence to write down, right? Versus, you know, he came up with this really, you know, awesome sentence at first to use the word that supposed to use. And it'd be like, you know, and yet, yeah. and spend another 10 minutes coming that with the most simplest, you know, forward sentence that he could use the most boring. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, what a way to yeah. use your mind to get smaller rather than to get bigger. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think that was a, there was a concept that I was introduced to early on as well. That was like, you know, if we don't want to learn something, essentially we won't, right? Like I don't. I don't feel like I retained the things from school because I memorized. I will say I'm, I'm good at memorizing things yeah. like probably because that was all I did up to like for, for the, all of the years I was in school was just <laughs> memorize. And fortunately I was good at that, which is probably why I was good at school. Yeah. I just memorized. I didn't remember, but I memorized it. And then when I couldn't, or like if it didn't stick, I BSed it. And I was really good at that too. And like writing, like if I had to write an essay or something, I could just like, I was, you know, good at using language so I could work my way through it even if I didn't really grasp it. No, exactly. Yeah. The understanding wasn't the important piece, right? It was just memorizing it, memorizing the process so that you could get to the answer they wanted. Or like you said, you know, essay stuff, just kind of fiddle around, around it. And yeah, if you could use words well, that you, that took you a long way, didn't it? (laughs) It did. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I can remember a few things and a few good teachers, like really, I mean, not that other, 
but a few like who really stood out. Like I can remember dressing up as a character from history and presenting information and like that stuck with me, but it was the exception rather than the rule. And I just think it would be, I, I think also, like you said, it's so conventional to make that shift toward, towards saying like, these are the things that matter, not your passions, not your interests. And we're frankly just like not conventional people. Like I don't, convention doesn't matter to me. Like I've always been fine with, uh, like very confident about like not making conventional decisions. So I think it's just natural for us to like look deeper and say, well, why, like, why, why? And I don't think most people stop to question. And I think if they did, and I do like when I'm having conversations with people who's you know, whose kids are in school, like my sister talking about my niece, um, or my parents who like assume that school is like a given. When you pose the question and open up dialogue, a lot of times people really end up, at least in my experience, totally agreeing with you. I know it's just questions they've never thought of, right? They haven't dug into. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna move just a little bit because I'm chilly in the shade. I'm okay. gonna like just shift to the sun. <laughs> I'm like I'm about to start shivering. So. <laughs> okay, that's better. Uh, okay. Sorry, I might be like really yellow now. Oh wait, it switched me around here. Okay, got it. You're good. You're good. Sorry. And okay. that leads so nicely into our next question, right? Which is how it can be challenging to make these uh, unconventional life choices because people really don't understand because they haven't even questioned um, what it is that, that um, you're, you're looking at, whatever the life life choices are. So anyway, I would love to hear more about how you've worked through that. What is usually an initial like discomfort when we're maybe even a bit of a fear that we're making choices that are very unconventional that go against what society says is you know the right way to do things so I'd love to hear yeah. how yeah. you become more confident around those choices sure um okay well first of all I think that my my parents um did a good job just like instilling confidence like I I just feel like I've that's like a word that I feel like I've always been pretty confident in my choices um and able to like discuss but also then I have to um there was a concept I guess I read somewhere recently about maybe it was you again who knows like it could have been one of your episodes where you were talking about this but um teenagers right have that like natural like there's always this conventionally like in our society we talk about how teenagers are like essentially pain right like a pain to deal with like rebellious but it can be paired with like social activism, growing awareness, like it's this really amazing time, right? Well, I just feel like I never, um, I don't know, I think especially around that time, but even earlier than that, I, I liked to, um, to debate. I don't want to say like be disagreeable because <laughs> I do like to be agreeable um, and like have, I have very like cordial conversations, um, but I'm, I, I like having those conversations with people that call into question conventional ways of thinking. And I think I've always been that way. That's, I think I've always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's something that's kind of that you've been working through for a long time then, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember like necessarily feeling uncomfortable. Like I think it's really just, we always, 
um, just keep looking deeper. Like in the study and uh, practice of yoga, um, my kind of, um, oh, there's a bug on my head. My practice is um, revolves, uh, revolves around the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali's. Um, which is like kind of like the, the text that provides the framework for today's modern practice, right? Well, in that book, Patanjali like says that there's, there's three ways of accessing information. One is your direct experience. The next is inference, like based on your past experience. You see smoke, you think there's fire. Um, and the third is through like trusted references, right? And I just feel like that resonates with me. Like I certainly call into question my direct experience as well, like unconscious bias and condition conditioning, like societal conditioning. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think questioning everything and like really examining the choices that we make rather than just being on autopilot, um, is a spiritual practice for me. (laughs) Yeah. I love the way that you describe that, you know, and that's definitely the, the kind of the, the styles of the ways of learning that we that we dive especially with unschooling, right? The experience, yeah, learning yeah. things like that means actually thinking about things and the trusted trusted references. You know, those are the connected and strong relationships that we develop with yeah. each other, so we can have these conversations and learn through that. And while you were talking, I was thinking back, you know, for me growing up. Now, I. I was always driven to understand, like I asked why all the time, yet not yeah. in relation to school. That was such a given for me, right? Yeah. So everything yeah. else I would ask about. So once I discovered homeschooling and that opened up this whole new area to start asking why about, like then all of a sudden all these pieces fell together. But yeah, no, that's interesting to see that that kind of per- that personality does help. It's being curious, right? Being curious yeah, and yeah. taking everything as a given really um, embodies, or the unschooling lifestyle embodies that um, that lens through which you see that world, the, our world, right? Of of being curious about yeah. how this works and why this works and why do we do that, right? Yeah. And yeah. I mentioned that my mom's been an educator forever, but, um, and so like she loves school, but she, um, she also, she and my dad both have been like lifelong learners. Like my dad went back to college, um, from, and like switched from respiratory therapy to like IT when he was in his fifties. My mom just finished her doctorate in nursing like last year. Um, and I mean, they've always continued to learn and, um, and always like, like they almost were like unschooling parents whose kids were in school, right? Like when we went on vacation, like we would like explore together and follow the interests of each person. Like they still really did a great job instilling and encouraging that curiosity um, and that love for learning. Um, So I think that, I think that they did a really good job with that, but I still think that there are other things like other areas in life where like, I, I don't know. Occasionally I just pause and I'm like, okay, let me just make sure nothing here is like on autopilot, that everything in my life is what I'm choosing. Choosing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And that makes it all that much more enjoyable too. I said that to, in a yoga class just the other day that I was like teaching on Facebook live since things are shut down. I was, you know, every morning I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm choosing my husband. Right. Cause there are always options. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That's, and isn't that so refreshing though? Like yeah. I, that's something that's been a really helpful tool for me from something as simple as, you know, maybe cooking or, you know, doing the grocery shopping or like all the seemingly mundane things when yeah. you remind yourself that you're choosing it and, and why, you know, back to that. Being right. Why is this important to me? Why do I want to do it? And yeah. I, you can just, I just come at it with such a fresh mindset and I enjoy even those little mundane aspects of life. It's like, I get to do that. Yeah. I know why I want to do right. that. And I mean, yeah. and I have so many yeah. people make comments that I'm, oh, wait, that I have a smile on so often. Yeah. Like, like you're walking through the grocery store and people go, you're smiling, you know, random people that you don't <laughs> Of course, I'm. I'm smiling at you. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah, right. doing my thing. I'm choosing it, and you know, yeah. and, but it's not a simple thing, is it? In that, it's not about oh, I should be happy and pasting on a smile. It's that real work right. of, of asking yourself why, just so that you can sure. refresh that enthusiasm for what you're doing day to day, right? Like you said, yeah. your husband yeah. each day. Why? Yeah. This is I'm choosing right. to be here with him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like if, if for people who kind of just like follow the kind of conventional flow of things, um, if, if folks aren't feeling happy in that, it's maybe because maybe is it that anything needs to change? Maybe it's just that they need to pause and say like, are these the decisions I want to make rather than feeling like they're being made for them? No, that's exactly. It might look the same. It might look the same or it might look totally different. But I just, um, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky also that I have a partner, my husband, who um, also like doesn't feel trapped like in any kind of box at all. Like (laughs) neither of us, neither of us feel like we need to um, follow any kind of like conventions or norms. So and if it makes, you know, I don't know. I enjoy those kind of tough conversations that like, ask people to question and, um, to, to examine their own choices, perhaps if they care to do so, but to just like I, the other day I said to a lady at the playground, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm still like breast, I'm still breastfeeding my almost four year old. And I didn't think anything of it, you know, like, I mean, I'm just saying it. And I kind of saw her face like, what, what? (laughs) But like, I don't, I don't have any qualms. Like if it makes people uncomfortable, I feel like it's that discomfort that will lead them to think about it. And we also enjoyed our time playing together at the playground. So she probably then thought, oh, well, here was this nice, seemingly sane person who is still breastfeeding her four-year-old. Maybe there's something to that. Right. No, exactly. (laughs) That's the exact, like when I talk about, I love to talk about just planting seeds when we're just out and about being ourselves. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no expectation. You had no expectation that she accepts no, no. that, that yeah. this is happening. Right. No, it's just us going right. about our things and yeah. yeah, they just see something a little different. It's like, Oh gee, you know, uh, I had fun with them. I had a nice conversation yeah. with them. They seem normal, you know, you <laughs> is from their yeah, perspective. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then, there's this thing like so often as you'll find as your kids get older, you're going out in the world yeah. doing that. And the thing is the kids don't go to school and that's the thing that, yeah, huh. well, that's right. But they, but they know how to talk and everything, yeah. huh? <laughs> huh? Well, strange. 
Exactly. Yeah, and I that I, it's not like I say that kind of thing to make people uncomfortable no. or open up that like you said, just but being yourself, out. like out yeah. in the world. Yeah, and I think that if you feel confident in your choices, which if like for me, if I've spent time thinking about them, examining them, which I have, then I say it with confidence, and then that's what, like you said, plants the seed for people. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. I love that, Eva. So I wanted to move on a little bit and look yeah, through please. the lens of parenting, um, okay. your relationships with your kids. Let's shift over there. And I'm curious sure. to see what, or hear about what de-schooling has looked like for you so far in that area. Mm. Yeah, I think this was a cool, like, this is a something to think about um, because where they are still so young, I love... Um, like I love focusing on relationship and connection. I will say that's like what really drives my parenting. Um, and that's what resonated with me about unschooling and about your work and that, you know, just focusing on, on connection. Um, also, I mean, so as far as like what de-schooling looks like, I think a lot of it right now in these young ages is, um, like letting go of control, still focusing on connection and relationship. But the tricky part is like, I still have to do some orchestrating to make sure that they live through the day. <laughs> right? Like, <Yeah. laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> like, um, like this morning, like I love, so this morning they woke up and they said, I want cookies. And I was like, okay, well, I, first of all, I don't have any cookies in the house. Secondly, like, you know, I would like you to eat something that won't cause you to have a bellyache, but I'm not going to exert that amount of control. So we just, again, just kind of not boxing yourself in. We just, I said, well, let's make some breakfast cookies. So we, you know, put oats and raisins and almond flour and we made cookies that, so that way they could have cookies for breakfast. And, you know, yeah. so thinking like, thinking about those kind of things, like just thinking, um, I think it's been really, um, inspiring to be creative and to keep pushing my limits to not feel boxed in. Yeah, no, that's a huge piece. Like what a creative way to come at that conversation, right? When you're open to those kind of ideas, you can, you can make things, you can help things move along. You know what? Also it it all depends on their definition of cookie. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that open with them. Like, yeah. Like you said, I love that keeping them alive because when they're younger, they have less experience in the world. Right. Yeah. So they can yeah. be doing things that are dangerous for them, etc. Yeah. So navigating a lot. That. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, a lot. Like sunny. almost two-year-old skateboarding around in the garage. <laughs> exactly. Right. He like. Yeah. He he almost kills himself a lot every day. So it's a balance between like letting him be free to explore. And like this morning he wanted to eat the whole bottle of gummy vitamins. I can't let that happen, but I can think about the fact that like, I know if they have a gummy vitamin, they always want another one. So when I go to the store, rather than picking the one a day, I always pick the one that requires them to have like four. So at least they can have the most gummies, you know, like I can't give you all the gummy vitamins, but, and because I don't, um, you know, set arbitrary limits, which I feel like is a lot of what I see with like young kids, especially just exerting control for the sake of exerting control. Yeah. Like my, my husband was a zookeeper and people would be yelling at their kids in the zoo, which is like wide open to stop running or, you know, and it's why, like, why? Like they, again, just not stopping to ask why, yeah. just yeah. exerting control because they can. 
So because I don't do that, I think usually if I have to set like a, hey, there are only four gummy vitamins or you'll yeah. get your stomach pumped, um, <laughs> then usually there's not a lot of um, fuss about that. You know what I mean? Um, and if there is, we just have, like you always we just have conversation about it, you yeah. know? Yeah, we just well, have conversation I mean, about it. Exactly. Because there are, there's going to be times when we get upset about things, right? Yeah. But and sometimes it's sad. Arbitrary things, right? We can, right. that way we're not having to work through that um, challenge and that those hard conversations every 10 yeah. minutes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, like, why make, that's what I always say. I'm like, why? make more work for yourself. That's, it's cool to watch my dad's de-schooling. My parents are usually around a lot, um, like under normal circumstances again. So, um, they're usually around a lot, um, and really helpful. That's another thing like with the little ones, I, at least for me, I, I rely on a lot of support because we're otherwise we're to, I rely on support from my family, from the YMCA. Like we, we go there a lot so that we all get like space. Um, and I, you know, I get support and time for myself as well. Um, but they, um, my dad's de-schooling process, that's what I was going to say, is really cool to watch because sometimes he'll say something like, don't do that. But then I can see him backpedal and he's like, he's really learning from me and my, my sisters and he's really learning and saying like, wait a minute, why am I setting that limit? Is that like, am I, like, I'm just picking a battle that I might not need to pick. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's great that he's open to even looking at that and really really not feeling it like a judgment of him, but being open and curious to ask himself those questions. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, as somebody who's, um, now I don't want to get it wrong because I'm sure they'll listen to this episode, 76. Um, Yeah, he's he's still like really open-minded and he was parented in a way where it was just that, like you are the child, so you are subservient, so you do as I say, no matter what. So, so a lot of it is again, conditioning, but he like me is really, um, always questioning things. So he does that. It might take him a minute. Like he might like kind of start to say, don't jump on that couch. But then afterwards he's like, well, like, I guess they probably could jump on that couch. Couldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. So, uh, earlier on, we were talking quite a bit about, um, how you and I started figuring out the, the learning side of unschooling. Yeah. You know, working through that process and how we realized our experience in school. So I was just wondering if yeah. there was anything else you'd like to add um, about your de-schooling journey from the learning aspect, because there's really two big yeah. pieces, right? One is the relationship side. Um, mm-hmm. and the other one is the actual, you know, learning side where we're worried is school the mm-hmm. only place for kids to learn. Yeah. Learn. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. I feel like something did just come up for me. Let me think for just a second. I was thinking about, well, maybe this does fall more into relationship, but maybe it will leave me here. (laughs) That's okay. I was, um, I was thinking about how one of the things that I love is learning together and like living together. Uh Right. So that always, to me, um, I also feel like, you know, some, some folks can be like really authoritarian and then other folks can be real like, and just punitive. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and other folks can just, and this is where I think people would look like from the outside might look in and think that 
oh, this, this kind of way of living is like just very permissive and like child led, like you're just doing whatever the child wants. Right. But, but the focus on being together, like learning and living together, um, has been really helpful for me because it, it reminds me that like what I, what I want and how I feel also matter. Um, and so with that, like kind of going into the learning piece of it, um, I think that that was something that really interested me as well is that we get to learn together So it's this opportunity to spark my own curiosity again and to dive deeper into things that like, you know, maybe we, we brushed over in school that I didn't retain because I just memorized, but now my kids are expressing interest and I'm diving in with them. Um, and I mentioned like the kind of stopping following their interests at five. Another concept that I like definitely heard from you, right. Is you learn things when you're ready to, and when you need to, like when there's um, something like, yeah. I know this had to be you that said like, that, like um, you could have like not driven ever. And then you're 16 and it's time to learn to drive. And you do, you learn because you're motivated <laughs> yeah. and it's the time to learn. So I put a lot of trust into that. And I, I know I have a lot of, we have like a big community of homeschoolers and unschoolers around here, really big community. Um, and I know a lot of times the conversation that comes up is like, well, what are you going to do about reading? Like, I know you don't want to follow a curriculum now, but like, what are you going to do about reading? What are you going to do about, or whatever the sticking point is, mm-hmm. like certain worries. And I know I'm not, I'm not there yet. Like I haven't had to cross that bridge yet to really like see how I'm going to feel when I'm faced with it. But right now I feel pretty confident that I, I trust that when they want to learn, when they're motivated uh, to learn to read, um, mm-hmm. they will right? Just like keeping things open for them to explore and helping them when they show interest. Yeah. I mean, that ties back so nicely to where you started. See, that was a great connection about (laughs) learning together and being together, right? Because that's what I worry when you think of when, you know, people hear child-led and when, you know, newer people hear, they'll learn it when they're interested. Because that to me, that, I think that can often make pe- people feel like, oh, then I can stand back and wait for this to happen, right? I'm going to wait for my kid yeah. to come and say, I want to learn how to read or whatever. But no, right. I mean, when you're there with them and you're reading things for them and they're seeing that you're reading yeah. them, you know, they're, you're engaging with words with them before they yeah. have feels like they see, they see why it's interesting oh, yeah. to be able to read, like, the, the togetherness part of it is, is huge, right? That's a, such a yeah. big part of, I mean, that, that is the unschooling lifestyle. We're there together. We're helping each other out. And that's the fun thing. As they get older, they're helping you too. Like that was another huge aha moment for me was really, oh, I can keep learning. I don't have to be the adult who knows everything and like run off to secretly and feel embarrassed that I have to go figure something out and come back with the answer, right? No, I can be learning all the things that I'm interested in. I can be learning stuff they're interested in alongside them. It's just, it's a completely different perspective on living together, living and learning. I mean, they're just so interwoven, you know, when you get into unschooling that you can't even tease them apart, can you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that reminded me just when you were talking about like some, it just made me think of the fact that, um, one thing that I really picked up from 
um, listening to your podcast over the years and, and doing reading um, about unschooling is um, like one area that struggle that is a struggle for me still sometimes is with um, like technology. Well, not not necessarily. Yeah, I guess I could say technology in general, but then I've really, I've really started to challenge myself to embrace it. Um, cause part of me always felt like uh, maybe it was going to allow, like cause like disconnect, but mm-hmm. right now is a perfect example of how, I mean, we can't, everything is shut down. I can't see my parents and we've been like FaceTiming and Marco Poloing all the time, but even on like under other circumstances, we went for like, we're walking down this trail and I see this kind of, um, like moss or lichen or something. And if I want to, if the kids ask me, um, we can look it up together, like right here on my phone, you know? So embracing that, um, has been really cool for me to learn and to like show the kids how they can learn. That's another area where I feel like school right now is, is like failing kids is not acknowledging that the world is a really cooperative place and that we can all be like learning and advancing things together. Instead, it's like, stay in your own desk. Don't like talk to the person next to you. Don't utilize all of this technology that's been made available for you. So, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just all, it's not cooperative. It's, it's definitely competition that, I mean, yeah. how did you do on your test and what was your grade and you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. And uh, yeah, there's um, thinking about like reading, like Lois loves watching Mr. Rogers and we'll put like the subtitles on, you know, or well, mostly because I like, I like to see it. I, cause I'll miss something. Sometimes. Yeah. And so I like to have the words, but even just that, like right there, there's exposure to words. And I didn't plan, I, I still don't, I don't plan on like pushing the, like, we're going to like, like learning letters or right. Like we're just, that's mm-hmm. not, it, that's not on the, on the agenda for us. But Lois is interested already. Like she wanted to learn how to write her name. And so she did. And so she knows at least those four letters and she writes her name on everything. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's so true. That's the part too. I, your subtitle thing. It just made, reminded me that, so Lizzie was home um, over Christmas and she likes to have the subtitles on. So by the time she left, there was like yeah. subtitles on all our TVs, right? And we yes. missed them on. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I like, have to oh, turn cool. them on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, I'll miss something. I guess I like the volume kind of low. And so then if I like miss something, I don't know. But we, I always have had them on. <laughs> But yeah, that's it. You know, you can put them on and, you know, if, yeah. if somebody doesn't like them, you turn them off, but you can yeah, sure. know what's around in the world, right? It's like, well, this is cool. Yeah. And then somebody, adult or child may find that they like having that aspect. Yeah. You know, what are, subtitles is just an example, but, you know, there's... Right, right, sure. Back to the thinking outside the box, right? Thinking creatively, um, to yeah. whatever's, whatever's in the moment, being open to all the, to so many, I'm not going to say all the possibilities because then that, I don't know, that can feel like more weight, right? I need to figure out all the yeah. different things we could do in this moment. No, it doesn't. Right. Oh, sure. Oh. Just do something or, yeah. or just open it up for, for the kids ideas too. Because like you said, like back to like living together, they have great ideas about things we can do. Um, we are like kind of stuck at home right now. So, so it's like yesterday we did an egg and spoon race. We like, we have chickens. So we went and gathered the eggs and then Sunny threw one at the chicken coop. And that made me think about doing an egg and spoon race. And so then we had fun with that. And then it led to egg throwing and like bobbing for eggs. I mean, (laughs) just, just like 
just like picking up a thread and like feeling free to follow it. Yeah, no. And that leads so nicely to the, our last question. I'm very curious yeah. to hear what is your favorite thing about the flow of your days right now? I mean, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that was a perfect example. But. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good example. Well, you know what, when, when I, when we like, when I first read the interview questions was like a couple, like, you know, right mm-hmm. as all of this shutdown was starting to happen. Yeah. And I was like, just, in a really difficult headspace, we've both had to close our businesses for the mm-hmm. time being. Um, so we've got no, like honest, I mean, just, we've got no income right now. We're like, yes. I've applied for every grant. We're like waiting to hear back. And, um, so things are really right now, like very uncertain. And it took me a while to find the, the joy in the situation that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we are like using it as a way to embrace just finding things to do at home. And like, fortunately, we have beautiful weather. So we're outside a lot right now. Um, so so the, the flow of my days in the past couple of weeks and in the next month are, I guess, going to be pretty different than how they typically are. Yeah. Um, even though, like I said, like our weeks are kind of usually like a little familiar and the days are each a little different, but, um, normal in general, I would say I love like our community. Like we spend a lot of time with friends and family. Um, and I love that. I love that freedom that like, while other, you know, folks might be at school or away from their kids, like we're out doing things together, um, and visiting family and visiting friends and, um, so I love, I love our community. Um, uh, we go, like I mentioned that I use the, I utilize the YMCA like as my support. And I noticed that Lois is Lois in particular. She, um, she does better. Like our relationship is better when she has a little time away from me with her friends. Yeah. Um, I, even at like four and right now she doesn't have that. So, but she's very self-aware and acknowledging like, I'm a little grumpy. Like I need some space. Um, so she's already very good at like regulating in that way. But typically the, like, you know, we rely on our community there as well. So my favorite things normally about the flow of our days would be like the community that we have. And, um, I think the freedom is one that always, you know, would come up for me, freedom to follow our interests, to, to drop what, what we thought we were going to do and dive into what we want to do in that moment. Um, and then like presence or mindfulness is what I would say as the other thing that I love is that we're, we are always like choosing our days and, um, really trying to be present to whatever is happening throughout them. Um, and so, yeah, the flow of the days is a little different right now. I don't have quite that same community or support. Um, but we're, we're again, thinking outside the box and like getting creative and utilizing technology to, to connect with people. Um, and yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that distinction, right? Because there are times in our lives when things go sideways for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so things do look different for a while and it's, it's nice to be able yeah. to appreciate it, it helps you realize, you know, what things were or have been super important and, and you appreciate totally. them more. And when you can get back into that community, that's going to be really fun and that realization is also part of why you're figuring out other ways. You know, it's not the same face to face, but figuring out different technologies and different ways to, to connect with these people that you guys are, are missing right now. So I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and then just focusing on what, what you do have, 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Chicken, the, the fun things that you can do with what you have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a process, right? I think we have yeah. such high expectations of ourselves to be able to make those shifts instantaneously yeah. without thinking through them and, and being scared yeah. and being uncomfortable for a while. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's really uncertain. You know, things are uncertain right now. Yeah. We don't know what's going on, what things are going to look like a month or two from now. Um, but, you know, taking the time to acknowledge that and then to work through it enough, you know, to realize that, well, if I'm stuck in fear, it's going to be a horrible next month. Yes. And whatever that, whatever things look like then isn't going to be better by me being in a horrible place. And the effect nope. of me being in that horrible place is just going to make this horrible, you know, for everyone around me as well. You know, yeah. doing that work to realize, you know what, we can, we can choose to do things differently. It doesn't, doesn't mean we're ignoring things, but right. you know, we're, and we're still, you know, keeping in touch. Like you said, you're applying for grants and doing all those things. You know, yeah, yeah. Trying to still do the things like that. I feel like I need to do for the business, but then, um, then a lot of it, and it it reminded me of the one other point that I was like, I have to tell her about this one other thing I heard, which was, um, so like, like part of this experience is like letting go, right? Like because so much, so much of this is just totally out of our control. Yeah, like I've done a responsible thing and applied for the the business grant, but like the rest of it. just kind of have to throw up your hands and like it's out of control and we'll kind of take it day by day. But that, um, um, do you ever, I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast hidden brain. I'm like such a podcast person. It's an NPR podcast. And, um, and there's, um, an episode where he talks about the analogy of the gardener versus the carpenter in parenting. Yeah. And like, as a, yes. So you're, are you familiar with that? Right. Like I did in a garden. Yeah, you, I, I you did, did a podcast episode. We did a, I did an episode chat I'm about sure that. I listened to it. I'm sure I listened to it then. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably, they're probably both in my brain just meshed together. Both episodes that I'm thinking of are probably just meshed there together. But like, that's such a, that's, that has that idea that like we plant the seeds, but then a lot of things are just out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true about being a parent. Like that for me is really liberating, right. Is to just accept that. Um, because then I don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times people, the reason people are so like controlling of their children is because they feel like they are, they're acting as carpenters. They want to ensure this particular outcome that, in reality is not going to happen. And I, I've had that conversation with like my, with my mother-in-law and other people like, okay, who are you doing this for? Because in reality, like you are not like this response is not going to, to, to change, like to have the impact that you maybe are hoping it would. Right. Like they're going to take from this experience what they're going to take from it. And I don't know if I, if I explain that quite as I wanted to, but, um, yeah, it just letting go of that piece of control because ultimately, like, it's not it's not totally on us how, like, it's it's not no. on us how they turn out. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> does that make sense? It, it, well, it does. It does. I yeah. I love that analogy, the the gardener and the carpenter, because yes, you can you you can create the best environment, and you know what I mean, yeah. and and plant yeah. and 
you're with them. You're reacting like by following yeah. your interests and helping them yeah. as trying to achieve things. You know, yeah. you're helping and cultivating that soil and plant as much as you yes. can. But yes, in the end, you don't have control. Or, well, the thing is, <laughs> you end up in a much nicer place. As in, you yeah. still have a relationship with them. It's a trusting yeah. relationship. It's a respectful relationship. It's not one based in control where they're... Those, I mean, a, a lot less fun when you have ended up knocking heads for so many years where you see them at holiday time and that's it because nobody actually wants to hang out together. But that, yeah. that point of the carpenter, um, the realization that that carpenter role is actually, as a parent, is actually so much about us and not about the yes. child. Because 100%. we feel we need to create this good product this good child that's acceptable so that we look good as a parent. I mean, so often we tell ourselves a story, it's all about them and we want them to have a successful life and, and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, when you ask why, so often Mm -hmm. a lot of it is about ourselves and how we feel we're going to be judged in our role as a by how our child turns out, you know? So taking that step really does, it releases so much weight, doesn't it? Yeah. And it makes it more enjoyable and it goes back to like the living together and it makes it more enjoyable for me. Like I had to have that conversation with someone in our family who felt like they needed to react really harshly and then they were in tears about it. And I'm like, well, if that doesn't feel good for you, then who are you doing it for? Right? Because it's not benefiting your relationship with the child. It's not benefiting the child. And it made you feel awful too, right? So uh, for me, what I took away, like when I think about that gardener and carpenter metaphor and letting go of, you know, like accepting rather, like how much is beyond our control, it also makes it, it frees me up to enjoy the experience of parenting. Like I don't, I don't want to spend all of, I don't want to spend my time fighting and nagging and nitpicking. And ultimately it's not going to like end up with, whatever kind of mold people had set out anyway. So why, why not just enjoy the time that I'm choosing to spend as a parent too? And you know, what popped into my mind there too, the difference in our focus, right? When, yeah. you know, um, in the gardener analogy, you're in the moment with them. Yeah. Right? In the carpenter, half your brain is thinking about the future. In the future. Yep. You know, if they do this now, maybe they're going to do that for the rest of their lives. So I need to stop them now. You know? Yes, that's huge. That's been a huge aha thing for me too. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yep. No, like you don't need to what if yourself to death. Just like cross that bridge when you come to it. Yeah. And yeah. And the great thing about that is when you're staying in the moment and you're living together and learning together, you are literally creating an environment and and skills, tools together and a connection together that will better handle challenges in that future moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So not only I can, I can already see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my, in my four-year-old who will tell me um, like, I'm feeling ha- like yesterday I said, do you want to FaceTime with our friend Brittany? And she said, I don't think so because I really care about her and I'm a little hangry right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she has, we've, we've created this environment where, 
we've we've focused on emotional literacy. Like she's she stops and checks. Like I stop and check in, so she stops and checks in, and and she's like, you know, I don't think this is the time for that, right? So. Um, just like creating that supportive environment where she's able to say, no, like that's not what I want to do. And to take it a step further and say, this is how I'm feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what, I think that's the environment we've been trying to create is like the one where, you know, you're, you're mindful, like mindful, mindful of how you're feeling, mindful of what's happening for you in this moment. And I think that's a, that's another big aha moment. I think for people is children are so capable of that. At young ages, aren't they? Yep. So capable. We we give them yeah. so little credit for all that, but they can they can they can take that in and they can I, I just love that, you know, now is not a good time because we like her and I don't wanna, you know, ruin that yeah. or hurt that relationship at all, you know? That, that yeah. Is- I wonder if it was someone we didn't like if she would have spoken to that one. <laughs> But she did make that distinction. I care about her. Yeah, bring (laughs) it on, whatever. But she said, I care about her and I'm hangry, you know? And yeah, just like she's, they do, they have amazing awareness and they're surprising us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for talking with me, Eva. I had so much fun. Thank you. Me too. Thanks so much for having me on. It'll be really cool for the kids to hear that, like their names on here. Cause they're, they're always having like listening to the podcast while we're in the car. So ah. it'll be cool. <laughs> that's wonderful. Now, before we go, um, where can people connect with you online? Are you doing online yoga and stuff like that too? I, right now I am. I, this is a brand new thing for me. Um, but you know, out of necessity and it's been a cool experience. So, um, on Facebook, um, my yoga studio is soul yoga studio. Um, and we're in Salisbury, Maryland and, um, there's Facebook live classes every day. So that's a good point. They can go and do Facebook live classes with me or some of the other teachers at my studio. Um, and it's really easy to connect with me from there. Like the business line is like my cell. The email is my email. <laughs> very, easy, very easy to find me if you find Soul Yoga Studio. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Eva. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pam. Bye. Thank you. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.